Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dogs, Lucy and Bert. Together, we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs in the pet industry. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode to find the inspiration and resources that will help you grow your own dog-inspired business. On this episode, I'm talking to a TV news anchor turned dog mom blogger and cookbook author. It's amazing what she's accomplished in just three years since starting her site. We talk about how she's been able to get it all done with the help of her favorite apps and tools and a support system at home. Make sure you listen until the end to see what those are. But before we start the interview, I want to welcome all the new listeners to the show. I've been seeing your screenshots on Instagram stories and loving every single one. But I want to ask you a quick favor that would make a huge impact for my show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for Wear, Wag, Repeat. I promise it only takes a few minutes, but it will help me grow my audience and make an impact with more dog moms. Now that that's out of the way, let's dive into the episode. Melissa Gunderson is a former television news reporter, dog lover, and founder of the hit blog, ProudDogMom.com. Her passion for pooches started nearly three decades ago. Growing up, Melissa was an active member of her regional Poodle Club of America. I didn't even know there was such a thing. (laughs) And she developed a close network of groomers, trainers, veterinarians, product developers, and more. Today, she spends her days interviewing various dog experts and sharing the latest canine must-knows with fellow dog moms around the globe. She's also a proud author of the Dog Treat Cookbook, Proud Dog Chef, Tail Wagging Good Treat Recipes. Hey, Melissa. Hi. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm so excited to learn about all that you do. Can we just start with the Poodle Club of America? I never even knew that there was a Poodle Club of America. (laughs) Yeah, so it was um, my regional chapter. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. I know you're in Pittsburgh, right? I'm in Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, so I was on the total opposite side of the state in the Poconos. And there was, I mean, there's chapters everywhere, but my regional chapter, we had gotten into Poodles. Oh gosh. And I say we, I mean, my parents and I had gotten into poodles because my parents are really huge dog people, probably when I was just 12 years old. And we were involved heavily for many, many years. And it really was a wonderful networking experience, even at that young age, because I knew that I was very passionate about dogs and I wanted to learn more about them. So it's really filled with people who, um, are of course passionate about the breed. We've got responsible breeders in there and then also rescue people. And uh, I have a really great friend in there who actually, she was the breeder of my very first poodle. And she, which is, she's a great friend of mine today, but she developed a whole line of dog shampoos and she's also a groomer. And I mean, we just really got to uh, meet a really wonderful network of people that way. And which obviously helps today with blog because I have a great reference, like great references that I can kind of leave. Yeah. That's so lucky that at such a young age, you were able to meet like so many different people who are like all the people that, you know, everyone who listens to this show are trying to connect with now. Um, you were sort of raised around that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it's really been a really fun experience to be able to bring those resources to 
readers. And I mean, today I also meet a, a lot more. They've connected me with other people and just the online world is amazing as you know, and you get to meet some really great uh, dog lovers and, and connect with passionate people who have similar interests. <laughs> yeah, it's been, I think this podcast has been one of my favorite things that I've done because, you know, I think online you get to know so many people, but it's kind of like surface level. And then um, having like a half an hour long conversation face-to-face with someone isn't something you usually get to do with your online friends. So it's been really cool. And it's been amazing to see all the different businesses that dog moms are starting and, and just doing awesome things. There's like such a huge variety of things that you can do in the pet industry. Absolutely. And I think today it's like the year of the dog (laughs) for the years of the dog. Everybody is, it really loves their dogs and, and they're part of your family. And I feel like with everybody sharing their knowledge and their resources, the way that we dog parent today is so different than I'm sure it was so many years ago. Yes. It's just like regular parenting. (laughs) When our parents were growing up, they were just like, send them outside to play. Uh, And now it probably was the same with your dogs. And now we're like crafting experiences. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So you had all this great experience growing up, but then what inspired you? You know, there was many years that you didn't work in the pet industry. So what inspired you to start a dog blog? Yeah, I didn't do, I didn't go into the pet industry at all. Actually, um, after I went to college, I went right into the news industry and I was a news reporter and anchor for several years. And I wanted to transition out of the newsroom and I actually became a blogger and I started learning all about the online world and social media and how to build websites and all that stuff. And I was visiting my mom one day. I live in Charlotte now, which is where she is. And, but I was in Texas at that point and I was visiting for the holidays and uh, it was January 1st and everybody obviously has big goals on January 1st that they decide they want to, you know, kind of pursue for the year ahead. And I looked at her and I said, you know, let's start a dog blog. It was so random. It was just like, let's start a dog blog and share the resources that we had Um, in the past that we've made. And then also all of the new people that we can meet online and connect with and our current veterinarians and and trainers and just people and uh, interview them. So I, I do that now I'll go out and interview people and still kind of make my mom happy and use my degree (laughs) by interviewing people (laughs) and uh, put all that information online. I mean, obviously I share a lot of my experiences, but the blog really grew so quickly. It's just amazing what can happen online. And it grew quickly. And we had so many people writing to us almost on a daily basis, asking us questions. And so it's been really wonderful to be able to reach out to people and answer their questions and um, just connect. Yeah. Right. Do you think that there was like a, um, a key to your quick success or like some, something that set your blog apart from others that helped it grow so quickly at the beginning? Well, so we kind of cover a lot, right? So our main thing is dog nutrition, which is why now we have our uh, dog treat cookbook, but we also do training and uh, health stuff and really everything. We call it the ultimate spot for everything canine, just so that way, you know, we kind of cover everything. But really Pinterest helped me a lot. I started just sharing my content on Pinterest and it was really funny because it's not that it's a topic that other bloggers haven't covered, but I had created a pin on the yes, no foods that dogs should have, like the human foods quote unquote that, that dogs can have. And 
that just got shared a ton and it helped draw people to the page. And I think people just started finding out about it and we started connecting. And it's really cool to see just on my email list alone, the people who've been with me from the beginning, because we grow obviously every day, but right. when you know that you've had people with you, we just had our, our third birthday. So when you know that you've had people with you from three years ago, it's very special. Right. And they're still getting the emails and still clicking on stuff and they become yeah. like your, your friends online basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was actually really funny. I got married in August. This is a little side note, but I got married in August and I had some people that were just, that kept messaging me. Um, and aside from dog stuff, but through my mailing list of other dog parents, just saying, you know, how's the wedding planning? How's this coming? So it really is like a family kind of get to know each other without really knowing each other. (laughs) Yeah. I think, and I think that like, there's not, I don't think every online community is like that. I think that the dog mom community is sort of unique in that way. Like we're just, it's a very compassionate group and people really care. And I think it's something about being dog lovers and pet lovers that maybe they just have bigger hearts. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that you have a very, um, would the word be selfless, right? You're not selfish. You, you're taking uh-huh. care of an animal and you want to give them the best and treat them the best that you can. And when you are seeking out all of important information and how you can kind of better your dog's life, it, that's so special. And then today, I mean, I know you have one obviously, and that I have one uh, Instagrams where we share our, our dogs. And, and I feel like I follow a lot of dog accounts because I'm just genuinely interested in what different dogs around the world are doing. Yes. Well, and you follow their lives and they're treated so well, which is so great to see. Yes. I know. So there's a, there's a chocolate lab who I've never met in person, but I love chocolate labs, obviously. And they live in Virginia and I like am planning a road trip to go <laughs> visit oh. your dog. <laughs> Oh, that's um, hilarious. Because I just, I, and the people, like we, I've, I've now connected with the owners and, and we talk, but like, I just love this dog so much. So uh, it's, it's very, it's a funny world that we live in. So you're obviously like a really great storyteller because of all of your news experience. So how, how does the TV news reporting experience help you with your blog? Because I think that would be just a really great skill that would have a lot of overlap. Well, thank you. Um, In a few different ways. So one obviously is interviewing, right? So obviously when you're in news, you're interviewing people all day and you have to really be curious and kind of want to dig up all the information. And that is one way that, that the reporting has really helped me. Another way, like you said, is storytelling. I wrote a lot in news because you're writing all of the news scripts that you're presenting on air, but then also for the, the station's website. And so I learned a lot just about different storytelling writing wise and kind of how to structure things and, you know, yeah. um, that kind of thing. So it's, it's definitely helped me be able to also articulate maybe some topics that are a bit more challenging to explain and break them down in a really easy to understand way and structure them so that way people can come onto the blog and and say okay I get it I get what that topic is and now I know how, what I need to do for my dog in order to be able to help them where maybe you go to your veterinarian's office and they're kind of saying all these big fancy words and you know, you just kind of, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I 
black out at the vet's office because I walk out of there, like she's told me all this information and I walk out and I can't remember any of it. So I don't know what happens. So like, do you have an example of one of those topics that you've really broken down in that way? Well, I think when you go, so one of my, one of my stories that, um, I would say has a little bit more storytelling to it is I have an article on the website about bee stings because Diego last year, which is my chihuahua's name, he got bit by or stung by a bee Uh and his face like swelled up. It was so bad. And I rushed of course to the vet's office and she was explaining that she was going to give him a, a, this type of shot. And she wanted him on a blah, 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 blah. And of course I'm like, well, give me a second to figure out what everything means before you just start sticking them with needles and putting things in his body. Like, obviously he's having a reaction. So I didn't want to sit there and think for too long, but, but I wanted to know obviously what was going in him. And I think that if it's not an emergency like that, you can be able to do your research and start to really understand because your vet's going to tell you something quickly. And sometimes it's just, the topics are a little bit there. I mean, they're advanced topics sometimes when you're talking about medicine. And so, um, and obviously I never want to give wrong information. So I'll interview a vet or I'll interview an expert in those areas that I am unaware of what the topic is and then just kind of work to, to make it easier for everybody to understand. Um, Do you have any tips for people who, who want to do an interview like that? Like, do you just call a vet's office or is there a vet that you work with all the time for these kinds of things? I actually have realized over the years that people are more willing to help you out than you think they are. So if you give them a call and just say, I have some questions and I'd love to interview you for whatever your platform is, most people I have found are really willing to give you that information and give you their time. And sometimes it might be a little bit more difficult on the phone if they're have a really, you know, big schedule with all of their patients, but maybe it's something that you just kind of jot down some questions and send online. I think that talking obviously like we are now, or if you're interviewing somebody and you are face to face or over the phone, it's a little bit nicer because if they say something that you have then a question that's kind of piquing your interest, you can ask further questions where if it's written, you don't get that luxury as much. So I definitely prefer interviews like that, but yeah, people, people are willing to help and want to share information. I think, especially in the dog world, because it's so important. Right. Yeah. It could be like a life or death kind of advice that they're sharing and it could really help people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then too, not only medical, but training as well. I've found that trainers are very willing to get on the phone with you and give you some tips and pointers and help out, which is nice. (laughs) No, that's awesome. So, okay. So you have all of this like training and, um, veterinary interviews and all sorts of stuff. Um, but you know, your treats and all that kind of stuff, all the recipes kind of went viral on Pinterest and, um, you started getting a ton of traffic. So you decided to make a book of all of your dog treat recipes. So tell, tell us about like how you decided to do that. And, and what was that like? Well, so before we had even started the blog, we had had a couple of health scares in our family with, you know, with dog treats and dog food. And I think for anybody who's ever had any sort of health scare that was a direct result of something that they fed their dog, it's an immediate reaction of, okay, what the heck am I actually 
giving them what's in the treats just because they're labeled dog treats doesn't mean that that's the best thing for them. And so the first scare that we had was um, actually on raw heights. And one of our, my mother's poodle, uh, was a toy poodle. She had intestinal bleeding as a direct result of rawhides. And so that caused us to dig even more deeper into rawhides. And I mean, obviously there's other issues with them with chemicals and what they're coated with and, and whatnot. But then there was another one that I don't know if you remember around 2014, there was a big flood of of reports coming out that treats that were manufactured in China were being linked to, um, I think, was it kidney, kidney Mm -hmm. issues, I believe. And yeah. And so one of the, one of our family dogs was also affected by that. And that was around the same time um, that I had brought Diego home and into my life. And so as a reporter who is extremely curious, I just started doing a lot more digging and finding reports. And I think now things are a little bit more accessible just because so many people are talking about it. And a lot more people are interested in homemade cooking and homemade baking for their dogs. But, you know, when we first started, I think I was the only person that I knew who was baking dog treats. And some people were super receptive to it. Other people said, well, you've got a little bit too much time on your hands, but but really it doesn't take that much time. But, you know, so we started coming up with recipes. My mom, as many moms are, is a great cook and has wonderful, you know, just knows how to make stuff in the kitchen and yeah, so she's how to talk, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, how to figure it out and and just kind of play around with different ingredients and figure out a nice dough or a, a nice recipe. And so that's what we kind of did. We did a lot of digging into dog nutrition, what they can have, what they can't have, the flowers that are good for them, the flowers that maybe they can't digest so well, the fruits and vegetables that that their body also thrives just like ours do and the ones that we have to stay away from. And we used those ingredients and kind of put them with our kitchen knowledge and just started experimenting. And so we did share recipes on the blog and they were received really, really well. And we started getting a lot of questions about about them and just making other recipes and then also how to alter them for different digestive needs. Yeah. And, you know, some dogs are okay with grains. Other people prefer their dogs to not have grains at all. All of the recipes in my book are gluten-free and grain-free, but sometimes we'll use almond flour. Sometimes we'll use brown rice flour. Sometimes we'll use, oh gosh, what else? Coconut flour. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff, right? Those are for our biscuits. And then we also have recipes that don't have any flour in them at all. But the more questions that we started getting, the more we realized people are really interested in this. And I wanted to be even more of a resource to whatever reader was out there, even if it was just one. I said, I just, I just want to be able to help. And so my mom and I went on this two-year journey of writing a book. And I, I work. And so it was a slow process because you have to do it in the time that you're not working. Sorry to interrupt the interview, but I would love to see what you're doing while you catch up with the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. Take a screenshot of this episode in your podcast player or snap a selfie with your earbuds in. Bonus points if it's on a dog walk and share it to your Instagram stories tagging me at tmystic. I'll keep an eye out for mentions, and I would love to give you a shout out from my own account. Okay, now back to the episode. Wait a second, you came up with this idea only one year into having your blog? Yes, 
Yeah, you just kind of ran with it. That's amazing. You just ran with it. And for a little while, we said, okay, we're going to put together a proposal and we're going to pitch it to different um, publishing houses and we really want to go for this. And then the more we were working on it, we hadn't even put the proposal out. We said, let's self-publish this. Let's get this out. I didn't want it to be wrapped up in a publishing house for a year, two years, right. and not be able to just, so I said, let's just, let's just figure this out. So we, just like we just researched other things, we researched how to publish a book and we worked and worked and worked. We did work with some designers um, to okay. help. Yeah, I was going to say, the, how, how do you publish a book? Yeah, we did, we did work with a company to help us with the formatting. I had the idea of what I wanted. And um, we also, just from having the blog, had a nice camera that we were able to use. Mm -hmm. And I'm very fortunate that one of my uh, best friends is a photographer who stood by me, well, kind of virtually stood by me really on Skype because she's in, she's in Philly. So she would call me up and I'd say, okay, the photo isn't coming out light enough. How do I make this? Photo? Okay. And she'd be like, turn this little doodad this way or move this little knobby that way. And she was trying to just break it down for me as I'm, cause I'm not a photographer. I can take photos, but right. I'm not going to label myself a photographer, but I wanted really badly to make this book. Not that there are not other dog treat cookbooks out there, but what I wanted when I envisioned our book was a really gorgeous piece of art, almost like a human cookbook. You know, you open up a human cookbook and you just drool because the photos look so gorgeous. And all right, admittedly, you're not going to open up my book and say, wow, that biscuit's making me drool. But I wanted it to look like a really beautiful... Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of times people, um, you know, give cookbooks as gifts. And so you might like look through it a million times and some people like never even make the things. They just enjoy looking at the photos and like reading the recipes and things like that. So so did you, did you take a photo of every single recipe in there? There is. So there are, and see, that's another beauty because I didn't have anybody telling me that there were limits on how many photos I could put in or, right. you know, so I, there are 60 recipes in the book and every single Every single one has a photo along with it, and we give a lot of notes <laughs> to try to make it, to, you know, to make the baking process easier. We also, throughout the entire book, we wanted to do even more than just the recipes. So we did an entire chapter on um, baking tips, how to measure correctly, how to different ways you can roll out your dough to make it easier. So for example, if you've ever made a dog biscuit at home, um, you'll notice that when you're going, you take your rolling pin. So first you make your dough ball mm -hmm. and then you roll it out with a rolling pin. And sometimes the doughs are really sticky. And I remember the first recipe that I had ever, I, I mean, I followed it. It was not my own recipe. I remember the first one I ever baked, I had made it and they came out fine and the dogs loved it. But the baking process was not enjoyable because it was like a, just a sticky dough that was just, it was trying to cut it out. It was sticking to the countertops, sticking to the, the cookie cutters. And it was just really difficult to work with. And so I wanted to give tips in the book. First of all, I wanted to create doughs that wouldn't do that number one. Right. And I worked really hard to make sure that didn't happen. I've tested these recipes dozens of times to make sure, I mean, more than dozens of times to so make sure. What, what, ha what did you do with all of the things that you were baking? Because your dogs are little dogs and I can't imagine them eating um, like dozens and dozens and dozens of cookies every day. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they were my official taste testers, but they had some help. Um, my, my, 
brother lives close by and he has a dog and his dog loves me now and uh my neighbor's dogs they they have so you're basically the most popular person in your neighborhood (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, there were definitely some i mean they freeze well too so you could put them in the freezer and a lot of them will last up to three months in the freezer but once you get like stacks and stacks of dog treats in your freezer, you do wind up saying to yourself, okay, I have to get rid of some of these. But there are also a lot of recipes in here that it sounds silly because once you label them a dog treat, if you say you have tasted them and enjoyed them and eat them, you're going to get a little funny look, but they're made from all human ingredients. So there are, yeah, yeah. I've made muffins like dog. Well, I call them cupcakes because they (laughs) cupcake, but it's actually just like a breakfast muffin. It's like a very boring, like healthy muffin. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and there have definitely been times when I have eaten them, like with a little bit of cream cheese, it's good. Oh yeah. 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 There's a recipe in my book. It's for carrot spice cupcakes. And uh, it really tastes just like like a pumpkin spice cake. I mean, they can't have a, a pumpkin spice cake, but right. but it's with ingredients that they can have, and it's used with carrot versus pumpkin. And those things are fantastic. I also have another one that I have in the holiday chapter called pumpkin pumpkin pie paws, and that also is kind of very pumpkin pie esque, but obviously with all ingredients that are safe for them and they can have. And there's actually really not a lot in there. It's pumpkin egg. And I think a tiny, tiny bit of cinnamon. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any ginger in it, but uh, you just kind of mix it up and, and bake it. And those things, oh, they are good. They are really, really good. So sometimes, oh, the salmon jerky too, any of the jerkies. So I have salmon jerky, beef jerky, and chicken jerky in there. And I just made a batch of the chicken jerky and my husband could not stop eating it. I'm like, stop. The dogs need to have some. Feel the dog's treats. <laughs> well, so. so I actually, I followed your chicken jerky recipe. Um, and I posted about it on my Instagram stories and people were just like, no pun intended, but eating it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were really, um, interested in a lot of people. I think probably, you know, you inspired me to make them. And then I think my post, you know, it's like a little spider web. Hopefully it inspired other people to make them. And then, um, you know, hopefully other people around the world are now making, um, all natural chicken jerky. Cause it was awesome. You could make it with just chicken or you gave options to like add some little fun flavors to it. Um, but I just think like, it's just so wonderful to, to share with people, um, knowledge like that, that can make their dog's life better. And then like you, you just have more pride in giving them a treat that you've made than something that you bought from the store. Oh, absolutely. It feels really good, especially, and it's funny because some dogs are not picky at all. They'll really eat anything and you know, it's great. My dogs, they used to be very picky before I started homemade, homemade, uh, before I started baking homemade dog treats, they would kind of sniff what I would hand them and inspect it for maybe 15 seconds or so. And then eventually decide, okay, I'll have it. Um, and the treats that I bake for them, you wouldn't think they were picky dogs at all. They just run into the kitchen and gobble it right up. It's like, oh my gosh, my hand. Hello, don't eat the hand. That's awesome though. They can tell just before they even taste it that it's going to be good. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, I think, because they have such powerful sniffers too. Mm -hmm. And I think that when they smell it and they know, somehow they know when it's for them. If I'm, I mean, I cook a lot. I just genuinely enjoy being in the kitchen and cooking and baking. When I am baking 
I'm saying I say human treats, but more just because it's like chocolate chip cookies or something like that, that they cannot have, then they don't get up off the couch or give me the time to, like, they don't care. But when I'm baking dog treats, somehow they know, they just know when I like go to put it in the oven or pull it out of the oven and they kind of stand by my feet and just wait. And it is a very rewarding feeling because they do really appreciate it. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a definite difference I've experienced when I've made stuff. Um, so, okay. So you're making all these recipes, you're running this blog, you have like 20,000 Facebook fans, you've got like emails going on, you've, you're doing so many things. So maybe you can share with us some of your favorite tools that you use to manage all of this, to make it run smoothly, because you have a lot going on, girl. <laughs> so I have a couple that I really rely on daily. Trello is something that I can't get through the day without using because I put all of my to-do lists on there. And I'm definitely one of those people that is super hyper-organized. And so if it's not on the list, I won't really remember to do it. So I must put everything on the list and check it off. And you can color code and do mm-hmm. all that fancy stuff. I love stuff. Trello. I use yeah. it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I don't know how organized you are with, with your content. For mine, I really, and this is a goal for me for 2019. I'm not going to call it a new year's resolution, but I'm going to call it just a flat out goal period that I want to create content calendars and get a little bit more organized with this content goes out on this day because a lot of times um, I'll use Trello for, okay, I need to post this check. I need Mm -hmm. to, you know, take this picture check, need to do this video check, but I won't use it as much for content calendaring. And they have this wonderful calendar feature that is just sitting there screaming out my name and I haven't used it yet. And so that is definitely something I want to do right now. It's really been, I'll receive a bunch of emails from people randomly that want to know why is my dog doing this? Or why is my dog doing, why is my dog scratching? Why is my dog kicking his paws up after he goes to the bathroom? I mean, there's just really so many different topics that come in. And when someone has a question, I always say, well, if you have that question, chances are there's a ton of other people out there that have the same question. And so, yes, I will answer the email, but I also want to answer it in a blog post format. So that way other people get to know the answer as well. And so, so a lot of times my blog posts themselves are kind of spontaneous this year though going to plan that out and use the, the calendar feature in Trello. Another thing that um, really helps is Dropbox is another thing. I mm-hmm. keep all of my files and photos on Dropbox. I really like live off of Dropbox. And then Evernote is another one that I do wind up using for article writing. Um, oh, there's another website called Grammarly.com. And I would say that when I write, I'm very conscious of my grammar. Sometimes when I'm speaking, not so much, but when I'm writing, I'm really great with my grammar. Uh, but if you do ever like have questions about, is my comma in the right place? Is my apostrophe? What a Grammarly like flags everything. So that is another um, great tool that I use when I'm writing all of my blog posts. And then WordPress is where I have my website. Where so. you host your blog. Yeah. yeah. So web, so WordPress is, I mean, obviously something I use daily. 
That's awesome. Um, so just one quick question about social media. Is, is there a certain platform that's your favorite? Well, okay. So Pinterest is definitely where I would say that gets the most attention just because it's where the majority of my readers find me and, and go. And so I do, uh, I do spend a lot of time on Pinterest also for personal reasons, just because I really love Pinterest, but I really want to start focusing a lot more this year on my YouTube channel. YouTube was something that I started. I think the account might say that it was started two years ago. I really didn't start posting videos though until last year. Mm -hmm. And I really love video. I think it's something that I miss about news, being able to be in front of the camera and be able to show people what I'm talking about. I think it's just this enhanced platform and way of sharing ideas and content. So that is something that I'm going to be. Yeah, it is. It's different than video than other platforms. I think like, I think on Facebook and um, Instagram, a lot of people share videos, but people I think watch them without the sound. Mm -hmm. And I think that YouTube is just different and you can post videos that are a couple minutes long on YouTube and people watch it. Um, So it's really different from other platforms. The the ones you've posted so far, like the beef jerky or the chicken jerky video. Um, it looked so awesome. Like who do you have someone helping you record (laughs) these things? We do it all in house. And again, when I say we, it's just my mom and I, I mean, we're really like this little, your mom has like a future as a director. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's good. A lot of times. Um, so I'll kind of have a, an idea of what I want to say and the shots that I want to get for everything. And so then she'll be behind the camera and really She's gotten amazing at her camera work. I would say so. Yeah, it's really good. Well, I remember when we started, it was funny because I just, I, when I was in college and then also in news, I never had to shoot my own stuff in news. I knew how to do it. And I worked really closely with my videographers. So, and I video, I was a video editor also for my, for my own news packages when I was in news. So I always had this idea of, okay, I need these shots in order to make the end product look like this. So I would always work closely. When I started doing the videos at home for the YouTube channel, I was showing my mom, okay, these are the the angles that I like, or these are the shots that I like. And and then she would tell me which, you know, what intrigues her the most when she's watching things. And so it was just this really funny process of, did you get that angle? No, no, no. Put the camera this way. Get this angle, get this angle. And it's like, we're trying to photograph biscuits. Like this is the, like, no, you must get the right angle of the biscuits. (laughs) We must show the right angle. But uh, we really do pour our heart into these videos. And then I edit them right after like the chicken jerky we shot it in the morning and then as soon as it's done I just I'm still so excited because we just shot it and it's fresh so when the when the treats or when the chicken was in the oven I just sat there and edited the video and my mom's you know sitting there with me and we're kind of picking which shots we want in and so we did we work really well together and I'm very fortunate that I have a super close relationship with her and we're able to do that yeah, that's awesome. I, I love everything that you guys are producing. So keep at it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a really great journey and I can't wait to see what this year brings us and, and future years. And um, it's just been so much fun connecting with people. Oh, also just on the note of social platforms, because mm-hmm. I didn't mention it before, Instagram is, don't you get sucked into Instagram? Like, Ugh. 
I mean, you're talking to the wrong person because I spend way an unhealthy amount of time on Instagram. So well, especially now with stories, I feel <laughs> like, I mean, the feed, I, I could really get lost in people's feed where, um, you just keep scrolling down and scrolling down and you see, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, they posted this three years ago. I've really been sitting on this person's feed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. No, sometimes I do that. And I'm like, Oh, I just liked someone's photo from like 2016. <laughs> I think I'm so weird. Right. Hey, we all do it. <laughs> Especially when you're looking at dogs, Tuna is one of my, my favorite accounts. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but stories too, I can just sit there and uh, have stories open and just as I'm working, like the stories will play and, and I'll just kind of look over. It's so addictive. It's like I TV. love it though. It is. It yeah. is like the yeah. new TV. So, mm-hmm. well, Melissa, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet so they can um, go start making dog treat recipes. <laughs> so you can head on over to my website, which is www.proudogmom.com. Uh, on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash proudogmom. On Instagram, my handle is proudogmomblog. And on Pinterest... I want to say it's also Proud Dog Mom blog. If that's not it, it's Proud Dog Mom. It's one of the other. Um, and then the same thing on Facebook. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And they can just go to your website. I'm sure there are links to all of that kind of stuff too. Right up at the top. There's all my social links. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'll see you around the internet. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes at wherewagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, we'll see you around the dog park.